Welcome to Comedians Talking Baseball, our weekly MLB recap podcast where myself, comedian Joe Kilgallen, and comedian Mike Bridenstine talk about what's going on in the world of baseball, get into some history, nerd out on some stats, and just have a good old time with you. Brido, how you doing? Man, I couldn't be better. Happy 4th, everybody. Sorry we missed you last week. Yeah, we missed you last week. It's a bummer, though. You know what? One week was on me for a miss. This week, the last week was kind of on you, but you were doing successful, cool Hollywood stuff. <laughs> if you could call it that, yeah. I, I, you told me what it was. I can't say what it is on air. People I signed a non-disclosure. Well, there you go. You're bound by your word and your contract. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, I, I, I felt bad because people actually, a couple people tweeted at us going, yo. Where's the podcast? Here it is, Bart Hag. Yeah, right here, Bart. Uh, we're, so apologies go around to all the listeners who missed their fill of comedians talking baseball last week. Hopefully, we'll get a, maybe we'll throw a bonus one your way. Um, trying to produce more content for the podcast. Brido writes some great blogs. So you could go back through there whenever you're jonesing for some comedians talking baseball. You know, so The last time that we talked, you got me, I, we got fired up about Bonds. We did. And then I started thinking about Sosa, and I wrote a very long blog exonerating Sammy Sosa. Free Sammy Sosa. Free Sammy, baby. We freed Meek Mill. Now we got a free Sammy Sosa. It's at brido.tumblr.com. I don't think anybody uses Tumblr anymore, but if they, they can still click the link, goddammit. Free Sammy Sosa. Yeah, man. Why don't people use Tumblr anymore? It just kind of went by the I wayside. I have no idea. I was at a bar one time, bar 107, and this guy was like such a douche. And he was just like, hey. And then like we started talking. He's like, yeah, I run Tumblr or something. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And he's like, oh, you're going to be nice to me now? I remember how cocky he was. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know. It kind of went away. <laughs> Were you... Were you being openly a dick to him beforehand? I think that I was being a normal guy who wasn't kissing his ass. And then he was like high up at Tumblr. And I was kind of like, oh, oh boy. Oh. <laughs> you know what though? There you go though. That describes it more accurately. Because I can't imagine you being a dick to anyone like aggressively. Uh, I could see you being a little in bit. My, like, in my most drunken days, I, I got a little mouthy. Okay, well, that's a little surprising. I don't know. I just see you as always being this like fun guy. I know you hate certain people, and you could get you got a little bit of a, a fuck you in you there, Brian. Oh, I, I'm not. But to I've be never fucked. seen you do it to I'm, a I'm a nice guy, but I'm not to be fucked with. And if you fuck with somebody who I care about, you'll get put on the list. You know. You hear that, internet? <laughs> you hear that? <clears throat> do not mess with you that don't man. Get the list. All right, we got a lot of. Yeah, I, I, I've never kept a list because I usually act on impulse. A list is more like something you refer to, <laughs> where I'm like, the person's right in front of me. Why would I write them down on a piece of paper? I, I could just hit you right now. I don't need to put you behind, number, you know, you're going to be number seven on a list of 10 or something. I don't know. <laughs> well. So the all-star selections came out yesterday. Yeah. So we're going to tackle a lot of all-star talk. I do want to address something, though. I, I did listen to the part of the podcast where you were defending Barry Bonds. And I want to be clear. I, I do feel like maybe I didn't like Bonds because I was a big Griffey fan in the 90s. And it felt weird to like them both for some reason. Oh, because they were both second generation. Yeah, I don't know. I still Ken Griffey Jr. was cooler to me. And Bonds just had that. Griffey seemed like if you saw him, he'd give you a high five. They, Bonds didn't. Griffey played with a joy and a happiness like in the 90s. Like. Towards the end, somebody somebody on our thing posted, like it, I think maybe it was Kevin Olsta posted on his Facebook actually that it's hard to believe he was on the White Sox. Griffey on the White Sox was like sleeping in the dugout, sleeping in the clubhouse during the game, and people were kind of like, Jesus Christ, but he can't say anything because he's because he's Ken Griffey. He earned that right, I feel like. And he was 40 on the White Sox. That was like his last go, you know? He then signed with the Mariners for the next season, but that was just like the he show. Also, you know what I mean? That was he also has the terrible, unfortunate career of someone who ages like a normal person. Yes, he aged like a normal human being 
and a time in which people weren't aging. That was my gripe with Barry Bonds. And granted, like I, like I said before, I want to be very clear on that. Barry Bonds without steroids. If Barry Bonds would have retired in 1997 or 98, he would be first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. Right. Should be unanimous. Yeah. The thing I have with that was, was and like you said before, you were like, hey, he saw these people taking roids and said, you know what? I'm the best. Me and roids will be the best still. And uh, I just don't like the idea of someone having a second prime at 37. The same reason I soured on Roger Clemens. You're, well, they were both in their late 30s when they had a resurgence. You're going to have a second prime at 37, Joe. Well, comedy's different, baby. I'm supposed to get funnier with <laughs> age because I get more world experience. <laughs> you ever notice about comedy? The best comedians always seem to be. Like, I'm talking about best, like, like at the top of their game. Man or woman. They're always 40s, even the early 50s. I feel like. Yeah. What's the comedian's prime? 43 to 53? Yeah, I mean, Eddie Murphy in one of his acts, he's like, I, when, I think it's on Raw or Delirious, he's like, I started at 15, and I talked about taking a shit because that's all I'd ever done. Yeah. Now, see, he's a sad case because he was one of the, I mean, the rare cases in which a comedian is a superstar, like he was a phenom in their early to mid-20s, is so rare. You can count them all on one hand. That's how few there have been. But like when you think about the bulk of comedians, these guys who are doing their best work and were household names, they're all in their 40s, right? Where in music, I know we're getting away from baseball right now, but I, I, I'm always fascinated by a prime. But where in music, I feel like your early tw- early to mid-20s are kind of your prime. That music. is weird. Yeah, they. T- I, I read an uh, interview with Bill Withers. Remember Bill? Ooh, great, great bass lines on his songs. Yeah, he's he sang. Uh, he sang "Use Me." God damn it! What did Bill Withers sang? Oh, it's like I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, but he also sang that the way you use me. Yeah, Bill Withers said in the interview, he's like, "I lost the need to show off." And I was kind of like, that's ah. interesting. But if you think, of, I mean, like, look at Paul McCartney's not cranking out shit like he used to. No. I mean, there's still people like old. And also, I feel bad for singers because your voice does kind of Your voice go, goes, especially you... if you don't have good form. Like, who knows? Cobain sang real throaty, you know? He probably wouldn't have. You know what, though? He knew that, though. I remember seeing an interview with Kurt Cobain in early 94, I think, um, or late 93, something's after the Unplugged, though, which they did in late 93, so it was probably early 94, the interview, where he said he really loved the Unplugged thing, even though he didn't know he would, because he had reservations about doing it, and he said, going into my, you know, in the future, when I'm older, I could see myself maybe having, like, a Johnny Cash thing, where I'm just, like, sitting there with an acoustic guitar, so I think he even kind of knew in the back of his mind, I can't keep this style that long. Well, not if he, he not if he, he ripped his chords out the way he sang. Not if he sang every song like "Where Did You Sleep Last Night." Yeah, that was well. Still, that gets chills thinking. That's about my that favorite album of all time, and my favorite song on that album. That is crazy that he was singing somebody else's song, Lead Belly's song, but he sang it in a way where he fucking meant that shit. Yeah, that's no, what I, I know. It's my wife's that's favorite what I song loved too. about Nirvana is that. Other than Nirvana, there's very few people. If you listen to like a song like Bridge Over Troubled Water, I know that you're going to be like, where are you going with this? Listen to Art Garfunkel sing that song sometime. You will get goosebumps thinking about Art Garfunkel fucking means this shit when he sings it. And like people like, oh, I like the black keys. They don't give a fuck if there's gold on the ceiling. They don't give a fuck about anything that they're singing. Kurt Cobain meant that shit. I agree with you, man. So now I'm going to bring it back to sports. Ken Griffey Jr. meant that shit. Well, yeah. Well, baseball is a lot like, I think, rock and roll. It's a young man's game. Comedy is more about an experience game. Comedy, comedy is all about being Jordan with facing out his back and getting that fadeaway instead of you know driving to the lane and dunking. Eddie, young Eddie Murphy, drive to the lane and dunk. Young Joe Kilgallen, drive to the lane and dunk. Now, Joe Kilgallen's learning to space, space himself out. He's got experience. You know, 
I think people appreciate the space in yourself without getting the open shot. The fadeaway was cool to watch. I mean, when you're young and you're a hot shot, I, I see there's a lot of um, young comics that are friends of ours that are getting pushes now. They're probably in their late 20s, early 30s. And and I'm sure they're going to look back 10 years from now going, I was talking about that. Sure, you, know you got you. everybody gets their push in their late 20s, early 30s. And a lot... Well, not everyone, asshole. I didn't get mine. <laughs> well, you... They'll, they'll regret that. I, I'm No, I'm very happy with my career. I'm very grateful. They, but the thing is, like, comedians are like Greg Maddox at the end of his career. The velocity's down. But he's going to get the benefit of the doubt through experience on the corners. And yeah. And, well, I mean, the thing was, even to take the baseball analogy away... With comedy, I really do believe, like like what you said before with Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I almost said, I was thinking like Edwin Jackson for some stupid reason because I still have that I was tab talking about from... Eddie Murphy. If you want to talk about Eddie Griffin, that's a whole other conversation. No, I, I didn't want to talk about him. I know you were talking about Eddie Murphy. Remember on our last podcast, I mentioned Edwin Jackson now tied the record for most yeah, teams played. Yeah, yeah. I have that note in front of me still. So that's why I said Eddie Jackson when I met Eddie Murphy. God, I'm a moron. Anyhow. I agree with that. It's like you're, you just get more shit to talk about. I, it's weird to go into open mics now because there's, I don't even talk politics in my act anymore. I used to. Um, I don't because I feel like so many people are doing it and not doing it well that it's almost killed that style of comedy. Well, that you were not. I'm seeing 24 year olds. I'm like, you don't know shit. You were not around at the height of the Iraq war doing those open mics. And that's what that was like. Oh, God. So, yeah, so it probably just goes in waves like everything Yeah, does. like, people are just going up there being like, and George Bush started a war, and you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> I came in at the end of that, Yeah, luckily. I mean, Iraq was going on. Iraq's still technically going on. But when I started, like, my first full year was 07. It was, like, late 06. I started doing it. The um, the Bush impressions were there's still a smattering of them. You'd catch one every now and then. Someone ta talking about him being an idiot and and doing the accent and everything like that. And luckily, that was the last gasp. It would be like in '03 here in Monica Lewinsky jokes, still just being like, "Why is this here?" But it's become I think political comedy's become boring in that sense. But back to like comedy as you're in your prime, getting more experience is because it's such a weird thing to navigate through. There's no real path. There's no like, all right, you're in single A. All right, now you're in double A, triple A, looking pretty good. The big league club might call you up. It's not, I mean, there's, because there's, there's different paths. Some people could go that route where you're like, all right, I'm doing this. Now I've promoted here, promoted here, promoted there. But overall, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, stand-up comedy. So I feel like that's why when you get older, you just have, you just got a sharper wit. You're more well-read. You've done more in life. So you have more shit to talk about and more perspective. Yeah, I think more, definitely more perspective on everything. Yeah. Like what? Cool. So now, um, now to shift back to uh, baseball and everything like that, I, I just wanted to touch on the Bonds thing before we get into all-star talk because, of course, Barry Bonds is unbelievable. He's one of the greatest players of all time. I don't know what they're going to do with this steroid era. It, it, I still, Sosa not being welcome back is still the, one of the biggest pieces of shit things out there for me, my personal And right after, right uh, after I wrote that, Sports Illustrated put him on the cover uh, as like the where are they now thing, and, yeah. And saw that. they like, uh, my wife, uh, was kind of like, uh, why are why is everybody writing about him right now? I was like, mine is because Joe was yelling about him, that is because it's been 20 years since the home run chase. But they made a lot of the same, the, whoever wrote that, I don't remember, made a lot of the same points I did, but also like both of us kind of. We're kind of looking at Tom Ricketts and being like, why does, why does this black guy from the Dominican who slept on floors have to do what the fuck you want guy who's never been anything but rich as fuck his whole life? Like, there's just like a tinge of like weird, I don't want to be like colonialism and racism, but it feels fucked up to me. I... You know what? I feel like um, you might have something there. I don't know. It, it doesn't. Daily really... Sosa doesn't owe Tom Ricketts shit. 
I know. I mean, I think it'd be one thing if Tom Ricketts was the owner of the Cubs when that stuff went down. No, the Tribune down. owned him. I know. I was saying it'd be one thing if yeah. he did. Uh, but he wasn't. So, because of that, I'm kind of like you in a sense where I'm like, what is... I think and then, like, I asked around, like, come back. I asked around Facebook, and people were like, "Oh, so as soon as he doesn't get busted, he doesn't speak English." That struck me as weird sounding too. Like, you know what that is? That's people remembering sound bites from back then. Yeah, you know, whenever that that's that's I, I noticed that about certain people. Certain people they shape their arguments based on the sound bites as they remember them. I remember bringing up that hot coffee documentary with people, which was all about that woman who spilled the coffee yeah. on her thighs at yeah. McDonald's. The doc- I said to people, I'm like, you got to see this documentary. It's going to open your eyes about all this stuff. And they're like, about that woman? Ah, oh, screw her. Coffee's hot. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you're remembering all the shit that was told, the propaganda of that time. Now, with Sosa, it was easy for whatever sports radio fathead was talking, saying, oh, what's this? All of a sudden, you can't speak English. Well, that's a little fishy, Sammy, you know? And then instead of doing their own thinking, they go, yeah, what about that? When really it's like you like you said before, I believe you brought this up. You try being put in front of a court in your second language. Even if you know it pretty well, you're going to be like, you know what? I don't want to screw anything up. Well, especially since he was trying to make a statement with gigantic loopholes in it that pretty much stated like this is the way that i have not done steroids and his fucking lawyer read it for him now imagine he commits perjury in that case they went they spent so many millions of dollars going after bonds and clemens those guys hired attorneys and they got off and that's millions of dollars in tax money that could have gone to anything else besides trying to catch Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens for perjury. It was just because that one senator was a former athlete. Was it Jim Bunning from Kentucky? Yeah. yeah. And so... Former and, athlete. And they, he was they, in the they, Hall of Fame, but... Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was great. Uh, that was some stupid... You're right. It was just to distract the public from something else. It was a waste of taxpayer dollars. And... They were just, he was one of those guys who were like, in my day, we did it this way. It was just some st- old man trying to prove a point while at the same time, distra- what was that, in 06? The, midterm the Senate up. hearings, that was, was like, like, yeah, 2005 the, or so. Yeah, that was a whole, that was a short after Katrina. I remember a lot of things smelling real bad around that time. You know? like, that was before we got his, like people are saying he's a, we were still very partisan back then, but now it's even worse. People, are, people on Facebook were telling me like he's a bad teammate. Because he left a meaningless game that they won when he was mad at Dusty Baker. Like, there's zero reasons people give the corked bat. Screw Dusty Baker, too, by the way. I'm, I'm really annoyed with that guy in a lot of ways. He was such, he's still a, a bad baseball mind. He, um, I mean, actually, I have more respect for Sammy by saying, hey, you know what, fuck off, Dusty, I'm going home now. You know? Yeah. And bad teammate, maybe. I mean, people hated the boombox thing, but which is funny. On other teams, they encourage you to play music. Unless you're on the same Louis Cardinals and you're Dexter Fowler, which we should talk about that. But Brido, my son, I don't know why he's up, but I'm seeing him on the baby monitor screaming his little head off and I have the baby monitor on yeah. mute. I have to deal yeah. with that. So I'm going to have to pause okay. this and I'll text you and then we'll try to do another half hour that way we have a whole podcast. And we will uh, talk All-Stars. We will talk All-Stars. Dexter Fowler, All-Stars to wrap it up. And then... Um, I got to go see what the hell his problem is. Though. All right. I'll be back. And keep right, it bye. in. All right. We're back, everybody. Uh, I had to take a quick little break there because my little baby boy was crying and I had to go take care of him. Stay at home dad slash podcaster slash comedian slash actor slash producer. I got all the slashes going on and uh, being a dad's number one on the slash list. You're like Cordell Stewart. Is that his name? The quarterback who used to play for the Bears one season but came up with the Steelers. I guess he did a lot of different things. He did too, I'm assuming. They called him Slash, I thought. Maybe that wasn't him. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't I don't think that was him. I feel like I'd remember that nickname. See, Slash is a guitarist for a band called Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with their work. Uh, Fun stuff, though. I think is So Cordell Stewart was not in Guns N' Roses. He was not, no. I have to correct you on that. I don't want the listeners thinking you're uh, wrong. Internet says his nickname is Slash. Damn you with your internet right in front of you. 
Good on, good on you, Mike Bryanstein. All right, well, we left off talking about um, Prime versus music and comedy and athletes Prime. And then we were going to talk about Dexter Fowler and the All-Stars because the All-Stars were announced just yesterday. And um, some, uh, some, I think overall pretty solid, but there's always some snubs, so we'll get into that. But uh, players' prime in baseball is kind of relative, like uh, traditionally, I think they say 27 to 32. Do you still agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think 27 to 32 is a solid prime. Yeah. Usually after 32, you start to see the guys go away. Sometimes age 32, there's like, sometimes age 34, they're still killing it. You know, it's different for each player, but I'd say general consensus is 27 to 32 in most sports. Although for football, it goes by position. Because for football, a running back is like 23 to 28. You know, they're not really, yeah. they get beat up. So they don't even, like past 30 running backs really aren't as special as they once were. You know what I mean? Sometimes they like murder their wives. Um, yeah. I mean, you're talking about Ray Rice? I don't think he actually murdered her. Although oh, that was a deadly punch. Uh, Orenthal J. Simpson. But oh, OJ, of course. But OJ, he did that way after his playing career was over with. Allegedly. Allegedly, too. That's right. But, you know, he did write that book. Is anyone who, who would buy that book? You know, the book, OJ, if, if I had done it, here's how I would have done it. I'm sure there were some sick people out there who bought it. People are into, like, murder. You know that? If this were a murder podcast, if we combined baseball and murder, this would be a top ten podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I should watch uh, Catcher Was a Spy, and that's on, uh, that's on iTunes. I could rent that, but I don't know if that's murder. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it's about. Yeah, Catcher is a Spy is a movie that came out sometime this past year and didn't really get much publicity. It stars Paul Rudd and, some, and Jeff Daniels, so there's a big cast there. Bad you brought reviews. it up. Bad reviews, huh? You had brought it up I brought as up the, a story. Yeah, the real story two years ago. I just so happened to run into it, and then it was like starring Paul Rudd, and I was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about that. It's a shame it got bad reviews, though, because I think it's an amazing story. For those of you who don't know, there was a baseball player named, was it Mo Berg? Mo Berg. And, Brad, you summarize it very quickly, and then we'll get to Fowler and the All-Stars. The reason I even, like, saw this thing is because there was a traveling team that Babe Ruth was allowed to put on that had, it was just, like, the motherfucker of All-Star teams from the 30s going on this barnstorming tour, and they go to Japan... And one of the dudes, I'm like, who is Mo Berg? Like, the catcher? And, like, no one even cared. They were just like, yeah, yeah, Mo Berg, he's the catcher. This dude, like, spoke uh, a bunch of languages. Seven, I think. Yeah, or he read, like, that many newspapers during the day. The entire reason he was there was to spy on Japan and, like, take photos for the U.S. War Department because at this point in time... Japan was really, like, expanding in, in the Pacific. And then, you know, we didn't like that. And then we blockaded them. And then they got mad at us. And they bombed Pearl Harbor. There you go. Thanks, but, Mo. Uh, <laughs> he was, like, put in charge also of, like, stopping uh, Heisenberg from getting the nuke, like, from getting nuclear capabilities before we did. The Nazis. Yes. So it's an incredible story. I just don't know why it got there. I'm going to have to watch it myself to see if it's as bad as the reviews say. I mean, it, if that was done well, let's say a young Tom Hanks plays Moberg, and it's uh, Saving Private Ryan meets A League of Their Own. It could have been amazing. Sure. I guess I really missed the boat. I, I think Paul Rudd's a solid actor, though. I don't know if he was that bad of a choice. Uh, yeah. But for that role, though, you're right. You want a Hanks. You want Denzel, but Jewish. Yes. Who'd be a good, who's a, a Jewish guy that would be a believable catcher and stud? I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> um, I, I can't really, I can't really look at me right now. I'm struggling to think of a Jewish actor. That's embarrassing. Jeremy <laughs> Piven. Jeremy Piven would have been perfect. <laughs> um, Rogan. Seth Rogen, he doesn't have an athletic bone in his body. Sorry, Seth. Uh, James actor. Franco's not Jewish, but maybe he could play it. Oh, James Franco can play anybody. He's a good actor. But uh, there's some rumors about him not being a good guy. All right, well, we know of a good guy Jake who right Gyllenhaal. now is... Who? Jake Gyllenhaal. Is he Jewish? 
That's what Google is telling me. Oh, wow. You're you Google Jewish actors. All right, well, look at you. All right, yeah, John Hall sounds pretty good. John I'm, I'm good everything. He is. I like him a lot as an actor. Underrated, even, you could say. I had a good transition, though, but the John Hall was worth the interruption, so I'm not even mad at you. I was going to say J James Franco, not a good guy, but here now we're going to talk about a good guy who's not being treated like a good guy, and that good guy is Dexter Fowler. Because Fowler. That's my we, favorite baseball player. We saw Dexter Fowler as a Chicago Cub in 2015-2016, and he was a model citizen, a great teammate. His teammates loved him. He made that return in 2016 after the rumor was that he had signed with the Orioles for three years, but no, no, no. And a WWE-style move, Theo yes. Epstein playing Vince McMahon walked Dexter Fowler in street clothes yeah. onto the field in Mesa, Arizona for spring training. And the players, a lot of the players were like, oh, cool, man. You just were saying goodbye. What are you, uh, Baltimore, you got, you know, congrats. Because David Russell, the story, oh, I hugged him saying, hey, congrats on the uh, deal with Baltimore. And he goes, oh, no, no, my man, I'm playing with you. And then that's when everyone's like, what? Like, they were all, they all jacked up, you know? Yeah. And he had a great year. He was an all-star. He, he was so vital to that 2016 Cubs that the one, like, blemish on the Cubs season, they had, like they were like 5-15 and 15 going into the all-star break, I believe. Yeah. Fowler was injured that whole time. He missed about a month of the season there from mid-June to uh, after the All-Star break. He was probably the MVP of all of baseball for April. And he, I, that, he was a starting center fielder for, on the All-Star team, playing more shallow than regular. Because I thought he was playing deeper than regular. Was it? Yeah, they changed him to deeper. I got him confused with Tris Speaker, who is the opposite of... Yeah. <laughs> I confuse Dexter and Tris all the time. Tris Beaker would play at second base. <laughs> he wanted to, you know, but, wanted to get into back quicker, you know? Uh, yeah, Fowler, and he had like a four-something war. He had a solid season. He had a great 2016, right? Which would which turned into a big payday. Five years, $85 million, I believe, give or take. I might be off by a few million. With this hated by Cubs fans, St. Louis Cardinals. I'm sure there might be some Cardinal fans listening. But, you know, that's a big rivalry. It's, going from Chicago to St. Louis and vice versa, yeah. which we saw Lackey and Hayward do, is very close to Edmonds. being a Yankee and a Red Sox. Yeah, Edmonds. Edmonds was a little different because he got cut from one team. Who did he get? He signed with someone, got cut, and then we scooped him. I don't think it was the Cardinals that cut him. Just so Cardinals fans are stay with me here, I think Jim Edmonds is a Hall of Famer. I do, too. I do, too. At first, I didn't. And then I look deeper into the numbers. He's another victim of the steroid era, which you talk about who did that era hurt. I think it hurt guys like Jim Edmonds. Guys who had career 900 OPS or up there and, and won gold gloves and played good D and uh, high on base percentage guys as well. And yeah, I think it kind of hurt him because they just got overshadowed by such cartoonish numbers. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Barry Bonds and the Ken well, Griffey wasn't on it, but the Bonds and the Giambis and the other dudes who probably were stars with the, without the roids. Sosa. Well, you I'm said not even put Sosa in there. You said Giambi without roids? Well, I don't know. I think he was always on him, so who knows? Yeah, if he yeah, was. Yeah. It's hard to say. For I don't know. Giambi was just the next one to pop in my head. Whenever I think of the roid era, I think of Bonds, McGuire, Giambi. It's the big three. Not, not Rafael Palmero? No, because he never had those 50 home run seasons. You know what killed really? You know the Royd era? Having guys like Luis Gonzalez at 57. Seasons like that where you're like, wait, what? Not even the Brady Anderson fluke season. Because that was in 95. That was like a little bit before everything really got nuts. People forget this. There was a guy named Richard Heldalgo. Remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a 48 home run season. Phil Nevin was putting up 45 home runs. You had guys like that in that tier where you're like, what? Juan Gonzalez, I think of a lot because that dude had just gigantic triceps sticking out of that jersey. The Lone Star underneath. Palmero hit 47 home runs in 1999 and 2001. Okay, and he was probably 17th in the league that year. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, I so you're right, though. You're right. I forgot he did put up a couple of uh, big years, but I, I still just think of him as this doubles machine from the late 80s through mid 90s, you know? I just think that it's he's this egregious, like. 3,000 hit, 500 home run guy that everybody's like, nah, he didn't exist. Yeah, he's only the third person in that club, I believe. What, Eddie Murray and who's the other one? What Ted Williams, perhaps? Winfield doesn't have five. Oh, Hank Aaron. Oh, Hank Aaron, Eddie Murray, and 
Rafael Palmero. So yeah, that's the list of the 503,000, which I still say, maybe this is my homerism with being a diehard Andre Dawson fan, that if Dawson, if Montreal had Astro, not AstroTurf, grass, yeah. and Dawson never messed up his knees, he would have been 503,000. Oh, yeah. Because you look, he, he was 438 and what, 20, almost 2,800? Willie Mays, uh, 3,000 hits, five, or 600 in home runs. Oh, he is? So Mays is in it. I guess May, maybe the Palmer was like the fourth guy then. That could be it. All right, anyway, though, so Dexter Fowler, this is the story that's been going around over the last few days, really. It's really amped up. There was some stuff about it earlier in the season, too, but people just kind of dismissed that as being like, oh, that's one person said that. So when Dexter came to St. Louis, he was kind of used to how things were in Chicago, which Joe Madden, to his credit, which is as much as we have problems with the way Joe Madden handles the bullpen, he is great at keeping players loose, relaxed, taking the pressure off them, all that sort of thing. Right. Which I think was key for our team of 24-year-olds to win a World Series, essentially. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, because Cubs teams in the past were these you know, teams that, were, that had playoff runs like the 08 Cubs and all these other teams uh, from the last 20, 25 years of you know, random division winners. Whenever one little thing would go wrong, you were just like, well, that's it. That's, that's the highlight I'm going to see all offseason. But with this Cubs team, people forget like in Game 7, they had, Baez had two errors in Game 7. That was enough to have other teams just will, you know, fade under the pressure. Right. But not Madden's teams. They kind of had this. So what's in there? We'll get the next one. And then they would get the next one. Double play. Boom. You know? Um, and Dexter was a big part of that. The whole thing was you go, we go, which I think was such a great mantra for a leadoff hitter. You go, we go, you know? Right. And, and I remember the Cubs Twitter tweeted out, you go, we go forever after he signed with someone else. And I was just like, oh, remember your Dex, you know? Uh, baseball. Yeah. How can you not be romantic about baseball, Billy Bean? And uh, so, anyway, though, he goes to St. Louis in spring training. He starts blasting some music like he does because that's the culture he came from. And right away, it's like, we don't play music here. This is St. Louis. We, uh, <laughs> we, we expect a certain brand of baseball. We'd like our players to uh, know which, which dinner fork to use. We'd like our players to call their mothers on Sundays. And we like them to have... Uh, uh, missionary sex only after you sweep a, a series. That's it. Uh, you know. Okay. And, and, and so now their GM is saying there's a lack of effort, and he called out Dexter Fowler, which shows you how stupid. The St. Louis Cardinals front office at one point was this shining example of how every baseball team wanted. I'm a Cubs fan. I grew up hating the Cardinals, but respected them as an organization. I say the same about the Packers and Red Wings, my other rivals and my other favorite sports. Where I'm like, man, all of our rivals are like, you hate them, but damn it, they run an organization the way it should be. They're, con you know, perennial contenders, all this. Think about St. Louis. They got busted with, uh, you know, they, they, they trumped Russia. Uh, you know what I mean? They did cyber attacks on the Houston Astros. They got right. caught. And that's just the one they got caught with. They were probably spying on a bunch of other teams hacking their systems. That was like kind of the downfall. Then um, they stick up for Mike Matheny, who continues to be a weird manager, if you ask me. And I know you're not supposed to put too much stock in managers. We're oh, Brian Kenny fans here. Larusa was one of the most egregious, like micromanaging, weird ass managers there was. He was like, he was Dave Roberts making bad decisions before Dave Roberts was cool. That's true. But I always give Larusa some credit though because he didn't really seem to care what people thought about his decisions. No, he's you know he was the Hall of he batted the pitcher eighth. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. He's won World Series with. Two different teams. He's like, I invented the one inning closer. Why don't you blow me? Yeah. So for that, I, I, even though some of his moves were like, what the hell are you doing? Um, I gave him credit for that. Where I don't know too many Cardinal fans who even praise Matheny. Most of them don't even like him. And this GM, this is a really stupid move to trash your own player who's having a bad year. He's having a down year. And you're going to say he lacks effort. He's got no focus. He's a bad teammate, which are things that no one has ever said about Dexter Fowler through his career in Colorado, Houston, and Chicago. So I'm kind of thinking... Dude, Rockies fans love Dexter Fowler. Loved him. Uh, he's only with Houston for a year. I'm sure they enjoyed him, though. I, I just haven't... I only know like a few Astros fans, but I know that uh, Rockies fans, whenever I would talk about him on Facebook, would be like, oh man, we miss him in Colorado. Yeah, he was popular there. 
And he's got a great smile. I don't know. There's so much to like about Dexter Fowler. This is so puzzling. And you see teams do this in other sports. And this, and the teams who usually do this are, are, the, are dumb ones. And that's why it's surprising coming out of St. Louis, who has a history like they do. Remember yeah, when the Cubs had Carlos Zambrano? I don't know why they don't like discipline other players instead. Like, I guess Yadi Molina has sex with his mom. <laughs> For those of you who forget, Brad is referring to the time that Yadi got ejected because what the umpire called him a cocksucker or no, a motherfucker yeah. or no, the manager of who was it? The Baltimore, Dutch. I think. No, not Baltimore. Texas? There was an interleague game, I thought. I thought it was Arizona. I said, this motherfucker. No, it was Arizona. You're right. He said, said, this motherfucker. Framing pitches. I made, it, I made it sound like the umpire called him a motherfucker, which would be really hilarious. <laughs> It'd be funny if uh, Nick Lavula comes out and he's like, this motherfucker's framing pitches. And the umpire's like, this motherfucker? <laughs> this motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, though, uh, yeah, Yaddy, it's... It's just so annoying to me when teams do this. Like I was, I was saying with Bob Zambrano, because whenever Carlos Zambrano had something go on, the Cubs front office led by Jim Hendry would come out and just say, we're disappointed in Carlos. Carlos is acting like a baby. Carlos is doing this. And right away, I'm like, you are hurting his trade value. You know, this is why Theo Epstein is smart. During Jason Hayward's troubles his first two years as a Cub, now he's looking really good. But during his first couple of years, he... You know, Theo Epstein never once said, ah, I made a mistake there or whatever. No, he said, we believe in him, we believe in him, we believe in him, we believe in him. Because he knows if I want to flip this guy, plus, I want to... He was always wanna, a plus defender anyway. Yeah, exactly. He was always a plus defender anyway. But even so, other than, if, if you're going to do that, if it's, a, if it's an act on the field, what'd they do? Miguel Montero went off uh, Jake Arrieta saying he doesn't hold runners and it's making me look like an asshole because like eight people stole on him, even though Montero had no arm anymore at that point. Arietta clearly didn't help the situation by being super slow to the play. Regardless, you don't throw a teammate under the bus the way Montero did. Next day, cut from the team. Yeah, Mon and Montero was like said a lot of I don't like he when he said negative things about the club, I like I understand you're frustrated because he had like huge playoff he had the possibly the two biggest playoff moments in Cubs history. The Grand Slam in Game 1 against the Dodgers was huge because it was tied 3-3 in the 8th. Yeah. Then uh, he had the, the insurance run in Game 7. Well, that which was, turned out to prove out to be a to big be, run. Turned out to be the winning RBI of the game, yeah. You know what's weird, though? There's a system with that where technically Zobris' was still game winning. Because, Isn't that weird? Because they went up? Yes. I saw. I read an article about it once because or someone tweeted at someone saying, actually, wouldn't this one be the game winning? It's like, no, it's the one that gives you the lead. And they go, that, oh, so, that, so if, you, if you have a six-run so, rally to yeah. break a tie, the first one is the game winning, not the next five. I guarantee you that 99% of Cubs fans only remember Zobris hit and Rizzo holding his head, and they have no idea that, that Montero. They probably don't even know that Fowler hit a home run after Montero did <laughs> after the Grand Slam. Oh, I'm sure people remember, but obviously it's the big moment that – is always then like the grand the grand slam was the grand slam. The grand Fowler's home run afterwards was cool because he did like a little bat toss. His, but his, it, that picture of Montero doing the walk to first with Fowler tossing his bat in the air is one of my favorite things in the world. That is a great one. I do love. I would love that frame actually one day. But the moment it's that's why I love about sports. Give me the moment. That's why I said after the Cubs came back from three one, the only thing that would have been more satisfying is if we would have came back from three zero. And someone said to me, "You wouldn't have wanted a sweep." I go, "No." I, I want enough sweeps. Look, sweeps are dominant. They're great, but I want the moments. Obviously I went through agony during those seven games, but the, the moments are fun. <laughs> they put, that's what you they remember. Put, they put my emotions through the ringer on that one, man. Yeah. But didn't make, didn't make it that much sweeter. Made the juice horse to squeeze. That's a good question. I've, I thought it, I still, I still get that tense feeling. I still think of Rajai Davis. I, I need to get over myself. I get upset with that too, but I'll send you this video, man. I still watch like Cub highlight videos because YouTube suggests them, suggests them, you know? And the one that I've really been digging on lately, it's a lot of highlights. So you almost want to fast forward, but right, you know, Rajay Davis ties it. And when Zobers hits the ball at the go ahead, it, the screen goes black. I think maybe it was before Zobers, the screen goes black. It says, um, 
every drought ends with rain. Like it went black and said those, those words. And then right when like fades back into like actual gameplay, I think it's Zobris jumping, you know, cause Zobris before he stepped on second, like leaped in the air and did like kind of a Jordan against the Cavs thing. Yes. And like landed on second base pumping his fist. Mm-hmm. That's as he's in the air, the song that plays is the Hawaiian ukulele version of somewhere over the rainbow. Oh yeah. So dude, I bawled my eyes out just a week ago <laughs> watching this. Cause it was like, and just the way it's playing. And then, you know, the way that they all celebrate and go, and then they, then there's another video that shows everyone's reaction because people film their reactions to it. And they get this one woman who is battling cancer. She's bald and all this, you know, and it's cutting to her when, um, she says like one more strike too. Like after, I think like Roger Davis tied it or something. Um, and she's all sad. And then when they win, you just see her like, Oh my God. Like, and there's this woman who's the, the, the dog had to comfort the woman because the woman was crying so hard. So to me, that did make it sweeter. If we had won every game 10 to nothing, of course I'd still be insanely happy. You think that uh, the Red Sox in 04 had it anticlimactic after they came back down 03 from the Yankees and then swept the Cardinals? Yes, I actually do a little bit. Because their that World Series was brought Red Sox. When they came back from that, that's what they still tell their kids about. Coming back from 3-0. Yeah, that made Poppy. Yes. He was, we yeah, the big, the clutch those, hits. We were watching those games at uh, comedy shows, and no one's, like, watching the comedy. Everyone's running back to the bar to be like, are you fucking watching this shit? I remember watching one during a poker game at a friend's house. I watched one game at an export gym. And then, because uh, I was... 20 i think i just turned 20 years old yeah 2004 um so i was like fit at the time <laughs> and then i, I can't remember where i watched the third one i might have been like at a friend's house but i do remember watching the three games to win it like i, I didn't see them win to make it 3-1 because i'm going oh, 3-1 you know maybe they'll come back but that documentary that's a great 30 for 30 um i was jealous of boston fans when that 30 for 30 came out i think it's called like four nights in october or something because uh, they, they cut to kevin millar going <clears throat> you know what we win tomorrow we got um, Pedro and Schilling, and then Game Seven, anything could happen. He was talking to like uh, Dan Shaughnessy, who's a Boston columnist, yeah, yeah. saying, "I'll pitch you Game Seven. Anything can happen in Game seven. And then he kept saying, "Don't let us win tomorrow." He kept saying, "Don't let us win tomorrow." And then when he was going through the, the locker room, like before the game started, before Game Four started, he kept saying, "They better not let us win tonight, boys. Better not let us win tonight. Don't let us win." And then they won. And then they won the next game. Then the next game. And then they won Game <laughs> Seven. And I remember just being like, "Motherfucker, that's cool." Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and I remember when the Cubs won Game Five to to stave off elimination. I, Grant did that, made it three uh, two. I remember my brother texting me, or my brother was with me, saying, "Don't let us win tomorrow." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" <laughs> um, although there was an off day and then there was another game, but it was still cool because it made me think of that documentary. Uh, anyway, though, uh, yeah, so Dexter was clearly a big part of that, and it just—I think it's stupid, and I, I really think that. They has too much money still. It'd be one thing if he was like a Montero situation. Or you see a lot of teams do this. A guy has like Jose Reyes. A guy has like a year or two left on a bad contract, and you're like, you know what? Fuck it, we'll eat it. Especially if you think he's a clubhouse cancer, because the reports the reports also say that Fowler and Matheny haven't even talked in like months. Maybe I mean maybe it's a bad fit for him. He got paid. Oh, I'm happy he got paid, I'm, and he and that money's guaranteed. Thank God the ba- players union's great. I hope they cut him, and I hope the Cubs pick him up as a pinch hitter. They got to be frustrated with their current situation. What are they just like hovering over 500? And- they're a few games over. Last time I checked, they're like three games over. Yeah, so it's like you guys are not catching the Brewers. You're not catching the Cubs. You are middle of the pack, and that fucking sucks. I mean, you're not even getting draft picks. Yeah, that's the worst. There's I remember no someone uh, glory in a in seventy eight wins, you know, or there really isn't. I mean, maybe they could go on a run in the second half if they make. You know, they're rumored the Cardinals, the Diamondbacks, well, the Brewers now. I think are the front runner for the Manny Machado sweepstakes. Yeah. I do not want the Brewers to get Manny Machado. I don't want that either. No, I'd rather the Diamondbacks or the, even the Dodgers, who are in that mix too pull that off. Addison Russell's been playing a lot better lately, so the Cubs are kind of like, no, it doesn't make sense for us to do it. Plus, if, if we really want him, we could sign him in the offseason. 
Right. Um, which, they, you know, also I, I get from, if I'm running the Cubs, I'm feeling the same way. If you would have asked me this a month or so ago, I'd probably been like, no, pull the trigger on Machado. It'll cost us a lot, but it gives us an intri- inside track to extend him. And he makes you a favorite to win the world, world series. Wasn't Why not do it? That like the Royals, I don't know if it was the first year that they were in the world series or the second year where they made no moves at the break and the, the GM looked at them and said, no, I'm winning with this team. Like he could have been like bullshitting, but the team was like, fuck yeah. And they like went on this tear. Wasn't that the Royals? There was the Royals in 2014. I think when they lost to the giants yeah. and then in 2015, they actually made moves they, they got Quato, I believe. Oh, and Ben Zobrist. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Because no I know the next year they made two big splashes. I remember because the guy because they didn't win, so he's probably like, "I'm not going to make that same gamble twice." You know, I, I would rather be over the top they than got under by one guy. Yeah, they did. Bumgarner. He, that was impressive. That was unreal. He was throwing like, and it, he had it down to any batter. Every I swear to God, every righty that came up, slider in, fastball up. Slider and he was basically a two pitch pitcher, and was just dominating. I, I hate Bumgarner, but that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Fowler, I where I grew up, uh, about where you have family, about where I am from in, in yeah. Iowa. It's about it's about fifty fifty Cubs fans, Cardinals fans. So I grew up hating the Cardinals. Naturally. Right, it's like I never hated the White Sox. I I didn't consider the White Sox to be anything until I went to college and kids from like the South and West suburbs. What's up, Dylan? Would be like the fucking Cubs suck. And I like that was news to me. Like, why would you care? You know what I mean? But yeah, but, but no, dude, it was different for me, a, man. It's more of a city cultural thing than like a rivalry thing. It's a north side, south side thing, and I went to day camp on the south side because my dad was for the park district, so I had to deal with Sox fans. So I have plenty of reason not to like them. Although now that I'm older, I don't have a hate. I don't. I will never root for them, but I don't like go out of my way to hate the White Sox like I might have in my teenage years. Oh, they hated us. That was yeah. The they do. They're the stepchild in the city. Sorry, Dylan. It's kind of true. I'd like to go to a game. Hit me up, Dylan. I'll go to a game. I want to. I want to go down to the ballpark. I like the neighborhood. Yeah, I like, I a lot like of people Wrigley. don't because it's not like Wrigley, but to me, it's got like this authentic neighborhood vibe. I went to day camp in that neighborhood. Like, I, I there's some good little food places down there. Got uh, Phil's on 35th. Some good pizza there. What else you got? Um, there's the Maxwell Street Depot. Delish, cheap as hell still. Yeah, so um, I'll I'll go to a Sox game with any Sox fans uh, who listen who want to, um, you know, I don't know, you want to pick old Joey's brain and watch some baseball, man. I'm your guy. I do. And take Brado to a Cardinal game. <laughs> I think most Cardinal fans are are trash people, though. I just want to say that. <laughs> cool. Well, there goes St. Louis for our listener. <laughs> shit. I don't even know if I, if I know any Cardinals fans. Yes, I do plenty that I'm still friends with. I, it's almost a prerequisite for me that if, like, if you're a Cardinals fan, I'm like, you know, just small doses of you is all I can really take. Yeah, they do have a bad online presence. They call themselves the best fans in baseball. And then when you do that, when you throw that arrogance to yourself, people are going to look to tear you down. They're going to look to poke holes in that theory. Are you really the best fans? And they're going to show examples of people acting like assholes, which, you know, there's different rumors for. I actually felt bad for them. And this was shitty journalism. Remember when the Cubs faced the Cardinals for the first time in 2016, uh, we just got Jason Hayward. Yes. And, People had said that, oh, there's reports that they were yelling the N-word at Jason Hayward. And they asked Jason Hayward this. He goes, I didn't hear that. And then everyone was like, no, no one heard that. This is a blatant lie. And it was a lie. Everyone around said that's not true whatsoever. So I kind of felt bad in that regard. Hold on. Hallie, shut up. My dog's getting all amped up because my wife's home. Um, anyway, let's talk about the All-Star game right now. Um, but, uh, the- by the way, the, my dad's neighbor, my mom dad's neighbor, uh, all Cardinals fans, and the Cardinals got rid of Bush, old Bush Stadium and had like a new one, and his neighbor goes, hey, you know what the Cubs and Cardinals have in common? And I was like, what's that? And he goes, uh, neither one of them had won a World Series in their new park. Oh, what a And they dick. fucking won that year. 
It was the best Cardinal fan joke I've ever heard, and it can't be topped. However, now you're in third place, you fucking pieces of shit. That's right, man. Who wears the crown now, baby? Boys in blue from the north side. So I am ex- really happy with Baez and Contreras being the starters at their position. You can make an argument that Contreras is really the second best catcher in the NL right now because of what's-his-face in Miami. So, Yes, he's having a better year, but only slightly better. Uh, it's not like, oh, shit. Like, there are some years where you're like, mm, that's wrong. I don't know if he's, it's slightly better. He's, I think he has the second-highest war in the National League. Does he? I think he's like 3-2, and I thought Contreras was 2-something. I thought it was closer than that. Now, maybe you're right. I, I don't have Fangraphs open right now, so... Uh, you're possibly right. But if you went by war, you know what hurts outfielders is they don't go left field, right field, center field. It's just that. outfield. I know. I think they should go by position because then our guy, Cal Schwarber, would be the starting left fielder. Or at least he should be. Yeah, they they made some weird decisions in the outfield. but Because he's the war leader Real, in that spot. Real Muto has a 3-5 war. Freddie Freeman has a 3-6 war. Damn. So yeah, so he probably he's a good. Well, he's a, he's an all star. He didn't he didn't he made the team. Oh, Real Muto made the team. So I'm not. But the thing is, he also has only played 66 games as opposed to 89 games for Freeman. So he wasn't showing up on like a lot of those lists if you wanted it like qualified. So he's kind of like Max Muncie, and that like he's not on any of the, like the leaderboards because he hasn't played enough games. But then like. You know, you switch it to like zero uh, minimum, and Max Muncy has like a three war and twenty home runs. Yeah, you know what? Next week we're going to talk about Max Muncy. I want to talk about some of the people who've come out of nowhere, um, and explain where because he's not—he's not a rookie. He played for Oakland a little bit. I think he's like twenty-six or something. I'm not that young. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. There you go. Like, I don't know. Sometimes is he a flash in the pan? Is he the real deal? Is he Jake Fox? I mean, you know what I mean? Is they he, can figure out how to pitch to him. That's what I mean. Sometimes these guys come in where you're like, this dude is the next big thing. And you're like, why was he in the minors for so long? Right. Um, there's other people of different reasons. Like Aaron Judge, the power was already always there. They just had to figure out a way to get his strikeout right down a little bit, which it's still very it's high. He's going to strike out 200 times a year, but he'll hit you 50 bombs, play good D, and um, have a high enough on base percentage where you don't really care that he strikes out that much. But there, he came up. He was in the same draft as Chris Bryant, but was a rookie last year in 2017, where Bryant was working in 2015. Right. You know, so he was a little bit of a later bloomer, which that happens every now and then. Sometimes you're blocked. Sometimes you're Ryan Howard, and you're killing it in the minors, but you have Jim Tomei at the major league level. You know, so... The Dodgers always have somebody come up and kill it right away. And St. Louis was like that, too, where I'm like, what? They never miss a beat. Oh, right. Yeah, forever. Yeah. I can't think. I remember when Matt Carpenter came up, going, "What?" They lost every shortstop they had, and then whoever came up was like Cuban. I can't think of his name. Aledmus Diaz. Yes. Off the top of my head, I pulled Aledmus Diaz out of my ass. That's good. I'm very proud of you. All right, so let's go over the starters very quickly. You got two Braves. You got Marquez and Freeman. Uh, Bryce Harper's in there. Around the infield, you have um, Arenado. Crawford, uh, Crawford, Baez, and at first Freeman, who I mentioned before, Matt Kemp was the other outfielder to go along with Marcakis yeah. and uh, so Harper. I'm saying that Freeman, Arenado, and Marcakis are correct. I did vote for Contreras, and I did vote for Javi. You could have gone Ozzy Albies. You could have, but I like Baez better because look, the All Star Game has to be some of it. This is where baseball screws up. I mean, obviously, you want the real all-stars there, but also you need some excitement. One of the biggest mistakes baseball ever made was in 1998 not having Kerry Wood not only in the all-star game, but starting it. This was a phenom coming off a 20-strikeout game and had a, had a great first half. He got snubbed. He should have been an all-star. Right. But they thought, oh, they got so, so great. You know, sometimes, you know, the, the whole every team needs an all-star, I'm almost wondering if that should be done away with. Yeah, especially if they're tanking. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I know they're doing it because, hey, this helps ratings. If everyone, they watch to see their guy. But it always feels cheap when you got a Brian LaHare as, as your all-star representative. I mean, you the, know, like... In the, the Reds are 15 games out, and don't you think that 
Scooter Jeanette and uh, Joey Votto and Suarez are all all stars. No, they definitely are. The Reds have some good hitters. Yeah, they just have no pitchers. Yeah, so and no real top of the line. I mean, I don't know. So Schwarber is a snub, but he he's about number six for me on the snubs list. Who's your top five snubs? And actually, I looked and I noticed. And then we'll wrap it up there. And I noted for the National League in, in the American League, I noticed that in the final vote thing, they actually did a pretty good job. Usually they get the snubs in the final vote. So kind of like a last-ditch thing for fans. Yeah, so Trey Turner was my number one snub. That's a good one. Then Brandon Belt. Then Carpenter. And they have Aguilar from the Brewers on there, too, and Max Muncy. So they're like five finalists. They did not have Anthony Rendon or Schwarber or Brandon Nimmo or even like Zobrist could have fucking been on there. Nimmo wasn't even on the ballot, I don't think. Uh, what about Alberto Elmora? You could kind of make a you could throw an argument. I mean, I know his war is only like what, a little under two, maybe. Sure. Um, but he's having a great year. So they it, it actually tied for the nationally batting lead. Some people are like Bryce Harper. Okay. He's a star. I, Hometown, yeah. I get that. Charlie Blackman. What are you what are you guys doing? Was Blackman an all-star? I didn't, I didn't yeah, notice that. Charlie Blackman is like 26th in outfield war. Fucking what are you doing? Yeah, you know what? That's people remembering a, fi- a hot month. He had a really good start. That's that's Kosuke Fukudome syndrome. <laughs> where you have a hot couple months. <laughs> started, yeah. Yeah, remember that? A hot two months, and people were like, oh, this is our guy, this is our guy. All right, looking at the um, AL All-Star team, Mookie yeah. Betts, absolutely. Mike Trout, absolutely. Aaron Judge, absolutely. Um, their, yeah, whole I, thing, their whole thing is correct, other than you probably go Lindor over Machado, but who the fuck am I? First base, I'm sorry, White Sox fans, Abreu is not the good starter there. Who's your starting first baseman AL then? Matt Olson. Ooh, yeah. I remember bringing him up early in the years, talking about him being like a kind of a sleeper guy. He's your Muncie. Like, where you're like, where did this guy come from? Right. And then like CJ Cron. I mean, no one's going to vote for Matt Olson other than me and CJ, <laughs> you know. Uh, then, so my my biggest snubs. How about Glumbar Torres making it, though? Does that hurt as a Cub fan? I didn't. It's not super fun. Yeah, he I mean, we got a ring, so we can't be mad, but it's like, oh my god. I don't think he deserves to make the team. But I think it's a little bit much, but second base, I don't know, like... Jed Lowry? Yeah, yeah, yeah good point. Jed Lowry, well, you know, a final five, and he should be. He should be, you know, I'm hoping injuries. Well, right now, though, Glenbar Torres is on the DL. Well, I mean, it's still an honor to be on the thing. You get listed as an all-star. You do, because there's always a few pitchers who back down and then some other pitchers right. who are worthy. I do think, though, you know what? Harper's not deserving, but I, I think sometimes you need to throw the stars out there. you got to put yeah, some personalities like, out there. Like I said before, baseball needs to do a better job marketing their players. They just don't. So I should probably clarify, that, like, this is how I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it like, who's had the year up to this point? I think that's how I vote. I got you. You could say, well... You should pick the biggest stars. Like, you know, the last year, Ripken starting at third and then, like, A-Rod moving him over. That felt right and good. And Jeter starting his final year, that felt right and good. Yes, that felt good. I agree. But uh, for the most part, I vote based on who's having the best season so far. Because it, uh, just like you said, like, with Kerry Wood, like, Oh, this guy doesn't. He's a he, he's a rookie. He'll have plenty of you know, but he probably wants to go to the fucking All Star game. Yeah. Exactly, and he would have been a great story. I would have, people would have tuned in to see this twenty year old phenom facing the American League's best hitters. Right. That's where they screw up. That's what kills me. Obviously, you don't want to leave off deserving people because they're not flashy or they don't have name recognition and all that kind of stuff. You want those guys there too because you want people to be like, "Who's this Suarez guy?" Shit, he's leading. He's got, he's got a uh, freaking three twenty batting average, eight ninety or no, he's leading the league in OPS plus. Damn, I never heard of uh, Eugenio Suarez. Right, right. 
982 OPS, damn, 161 OPS plus, and he's leading the league in RBIs to give one of the old stats out there too. Then again, Shit. I don't know how many people are not going to know who Eugenio Suarez is, but know what an OPS plus is. Very good point. <laughs> uh, very good point. True. Very true. All right. Um, yeah, I just think because uh, that's what you would really want to see the, at the All Star game. I thought Chris Bryant should have been in it last. I remember my dad saying Bryant's not an All Star. I go, ah, he's having a little bit of a down year. It's for you know, he didn't have the best first half. But my my dad's like, doesn't matter. He's a star. He's your he was an All Star the last two years. He was the MVP and and, and a great uh, player in the for the World Series. T- championship team he should be there i was like you know what you're right this is where baseball fucks up yeah i mean if you're doing like an all-star team instead of like who's playing well then everything is switched up you got you know buster i think it could be both and can't it be a little bit of both because you know what that really kills me is at the end of last year chris bryant was this maybe the best third baseman or second best third baseman it's, it's, it's a little annoying that the All-Stars are based on who has a good first half. Because there's a lot of players who don't have good first half. But if you look at the end of the year, you go, yeah, this guy, he was, Jake Arrieta wasn't an All-Star in 2015. Granted, he had no name recognition, so I'm not saying he should have been. Right. But at the end of the year, he was a Cy Young winner. There's it people who have won always... MVPs and Cy Youngs that weren't All-Stars. <laughs> and it's always funny to see who won an MVP and was not an All-Star. Right, it is or like, uh, I feel like Jim Tomey was barely an All Star. Shit like that. Yeah, there's always a few people where you look back and you're like, really, three or four times for that guy, huh? Okay, that's a little surprising because they have a Hall of Fame career, but they weren't an All Star that often. Sometimes yeah, you get like, fucked by position. You mentioned Brandon Belt being a snub. He's a first baseman. There's so many good first basemen. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you get screwed. I almost think, you know, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but we do got to wrap this up because I, I want to. I got sorry. Sorry, listeners, you're hearing this later than you'd want. It's supposed to be out Monday. It's probably going to be out late Monday night or even early Tuesday. Anyway, though, thank you for uh, subscribing to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and all that good stuff. Anyway, um, like us on Facebook. I say for Hall of Fame, you know, I floated the idea, but then you kind of corrected me, so I changed my thought process. But I was saying, what if you pick the top three players at your position in your area? You should be a Hall of Famer. How about this? Top three at each position is an all-star. Then you see, I, I did the math on this, right? There's eight positions. You don't count pitcher. Pitcher's different. Top three, that's 24. I got 24 players right there. Top three left fielders, top center, top whatever, you know. Then you take your 10 to 12, you take 12 pitchers even. So then you got 36. Or you could take 11 pitchers to make 35. I almost think, fuck it, do a 40 man roster. But then some players aren't getting into the game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do 24, then do 10 pitchers, and then do like the final vote for that 35th spot. I don't understand. It seems like the best way to do it. Why they have relief pitchers. And I, In the All Star game? Yeah. And you're going to be like, dude, stop it with your hatred of relief pitchers. Here's the thing, though. No, I don't hate it. I, I think there should only be maybe a couple. I don't think there should be five or six like they have some years. Yeah, like, okay. If you're elite, elite, fine, we'll take you. But other than that, you got to just understand it, you know? Like, like DHs. There's I'm, not multiple DHs taken. I'm looking at, like, the American League relief pitchers. Like, okay, Chapman and Kimbrell are stars. Diaz, Jimenez, you know, these guys aren't stars. Wouldn't you rather see Garrett Cole as a one-inning closer than any of those people? Absolutely. Maybe not Kimbrell and Chapman, like in their heyday. No, th- yeah, those dudes. Is Chapman an all-star this year? Yeah. Wow. Um, Man, the Yankees got a lot. Uh, yeah, obviously Kimbrell, Jansen, guys like that I want to see in the all-star game. You know, when Eric Gagne was Eric Gagne, yeah, I wanted to see that. But you're right, though. I'd rather see Garrett Cole uh, even come in to be like a, a specialty, one and done. You know, certain that'd be fun to see. Like, James Paxson doesn't make the all-star team, but Joe Jimenez does. Do you know what the fuck James Paxson would look like as a one-inning closer? Get the fuck out of my face. I know, because we talked about this before on the podcast. So many of these guys were failed starters, so you're right. Yeah, I'd rather see some more. I mean, I'm okay with rewarding, like, the top two, maybe. If we take 12 pitchers, 10 starters, two closers. Sometimes there's guys, but fuck the closer. What about like your Andrew Miller role, who's going multiple innings right. at the most important part of the game? Give me that guy. That Granky's not an all-star. Give me D- but Doolittle used to do that before he became a closer. Doolittle is an all-star. 
He is an all-star. He would actually a really funny tweet. <laughs> he, uh, we'll end the podcast on this. Um, he, uh, Sean Doolittle, uh, now the nationals was an Oakland a for a long time. Really good dude. Seems like a woke dude. If you're into that, uh, <laughs> which most people should be, I feel like you, uh, you want someone who's got, you know, I am. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, tweeted, Hey, at smash mouth, guess what? He tweeted at the band smash mouth and then the band smash mouth responded. What? And then he tweeted back. I'm an all-star. <laughs> which is amazing so good for him i'm actually happy he's in the game because of that alone all right brido uh everyone thanks for listening to comedians talking baseball i'm joe kilgown that's mike bridestein you know where to find us you can go back and listen to past episodes because what we do is we talk about the history of baseball in each one so it's not like oh i don't want to hear about april baseball talk you're going to hear some cool shit that'll open up your mind and really make you love baseball even more because that's our goal our goal is to make people love baseball it'll um, up more than your mind fellas Damn straight. All right. Thanks for listening.